Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. There's been talk of a red-green nexus. We know we're dealing with communist influence right now, and also with the rise of, of a Marxist worldview within our government. But there has been a cooperation between the Muslim Brotherhood and the leftist movement in the United States. And uh, they're both pursuing the same goal, which is to destroy the United States. And so I come to the conclusion that we're never going to defeat that until we really know who we are as a people. We understand our worldview from the scriptures, and we understand the Constitution and our God-given natural rights. That's really where the big job is. And in the current administration, we sort of lost the initiative to be able to do that. And now we have to do it, maybe at great cost, but we have to do it. If we focus on the threat, if we just try to stop the threat, we're never going to defeat the threat. And that's the voice of today's guest, Reverend Bill Cook founder and executive director of America's Black Robe Regiment. Located in Virginia, this is a clergy-led movement of Christian Minutemen, and America's Black Robe Regiment exists to establish growing regiments, teams of pastors in every political jurisdiction in America, to assert their own and the vital leadership and influence of their flocks in civil government in order to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Bill Cook, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you, David. It's good to be with you today. All right. Great to have you again. Um, So much uh, change since we talked last, which was about a month before the 2020 election. If you think about that timeline of where we are now, Bill, uh, I mean, you guys have had a, a Jericho march or many Jericho marches in different cities around the country. We're trying to raise awareness about election integrity. More black robe regiment groups are starting. So why don't we go back to the beginning and how you got involved? I listened to your interview with Eric Metaxas um, just yesterday, and I don't remember if you shared in detail some of the things that were catalysts for you, I think about in 2012 or so, getting involved in the Black Robe Regiment and learning about it and why it's important to get pastors engaged. Would you share the nuts and bolts from the beginning, please? Sure. Um, in, 20, in 2012, uh, I, was, I was watching what was happening in the United States with the, ele- with the election and uh, under Barack Obama's presidency, and uh, I was very concerned. I could, it was, you, know, you could tell intuitively that, that we were dealing with people that were Marxist, in their in their worldview, and so the things he was implementing were were Marxist, really, in in terms of you know socialized medicine and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was very alarming to me because you know my wife and I have five children. At the time, they were younger, but um, they're all adults now. But it was very concerning, and I thought, you know, I can't I can't go into I can't leave this world and leave it in the mess that it's in. Not that I could could change it by myself. But I felt it was imperative that that we stand up and do something about it. So I was involved in counterterrorism work, and I was working at uh, DHS at the time. I I stepped out of the pastorate, and I was doing uh, 
things related to that that and learning a lot about the Islamic threat from people that I knew and uh, and the Muslim Brotherhood. And um, it was about that time that I was watching the Glenn Beck program one night, and I heard David Barton talk about something I never heard of, the Black Robe Regiment. And uh, it got me so inspired as a pastor. It it was tremendous inspiration to me because it sort of was the missing piece in the puzzle of how America came to be. I didn't understand how America could be formed, how the American... uh, construct of government could come about with being led by secularists who advocated the separation of church and state. Hmm. And so I began to understand that pastors were at the forefront of the founding of America. The founding fathers were great men, no doubt about that, the men we call the founding fathers, but they weren't the founders. The founders of America were the clergy, Hmm. because the, the and the, really, it was the, congrega- the congregational pastors in New England who constructed the political ideology that formed the founding char- things we call the founding charters. They had preached that political ideology for, I would imagine, that, that had been preached on American shores uh, for a hundred years by the time that the first shots were fired in the Battle of Lexington. So, so that they they played a more they played a more significant role in the founding of this country, and by extension, the church did. Then the men, the, the the founding fathers were 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 Johnny Come Latelys or last minute, you know, additions to the to the monumental task of independence. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, the more I learn about American history, the more that the facts of history support that. I mean, pastors fought died, led, led regiments, led, led companies in the American Revolution. They saw no, no uh, distinction between their role as pastors and their role in defending liberty. So wow. all those things were, were kind of coming into, the, coming into focus for me, and it, and it became a natural, just a natural byproduct of that was understanding that if this country is going to be saved, it's going to take pastors leading their churches in, in securing the blessings of liberty. Otherwise, Amen. it's just not going to happen. Amen. And so I, I, that's why I started the Black Robe Regiment in 2012. It was called the Black Robe Regiment of Virginia then. But the reason I started it was because I felt like this is our last best hope. We mm-hmm. have to do this. It's got, it's got to happen. And um, I, it, it, it also became abundantly clear that separation of church and state was just a massive fraud that had, ne- that had neutered the church's ability to affect its own its own safety and happiness mm. within the culture. Uh, there's there's so much in what you just said, Bill. I just want to clarify that a lot of people might have been taken aback, and we've got we're kind of preaching to the choir today. They get it. They understand the the crucial role of the American church and leaders in the church as the direction of the country, including our morality, including our government. So a lot of people listening get it. But what you just said about pastors and men of God, the clergy, Black Robe Regiment, being an influence even on our founders, and that we have a kind of a disconnect because, as you know, American history has not been taught um, accurately in our schools for, I don't know, at least two, three decades or more. So could you please clarify, in, in any direction you'd like to go, the role of those early clergymen? As you said, many of them fought 
in the war. Many of them were, they, they preached a sermon, took off their robe, grabbed a gun, and said, who's with me? I think there's a famous scene in Braveheart. Is it Braveheart? Yes. Uh, where, you know, the preacher at the church. No, not not Braveheart. I'm sorry. Um, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. The Patriot, right. Yeah. So could you please share a little bit more just to, for people that are going, wait a minute, the, the men of God were more influential in founding the country than the actual, really quote, were. founders? Go ahead. I'm trying to find in my in my laptop here. I'm trying to find a, <laughs> uh, a sermon that was preached at America's first centennial by um, by a man by a pastor named George B. Spalding, and and I think I found it too. Um, <laughs> That's what you were it's, doing. Uh, it's an amazing <laughs> sermon, but one of the things he says in here, and it's it's profound. Um, hold on a second. If you bear with me, okay, sure. sure. And by the way, we're speaking with Bill Cook. He's the CEO, founder of America's Black Robe Regiment. We're going to talk about a lot of uh, groups and organizations today that's trying to get America back on track, starting with church leaders. Go ahead, Bill. Well, this what Pastor Spaulding preached, um, he was talking about the role that the pastors played. And he says in this sermon, this was preached in 1876, July 9th, 1876, during the first centennial celebration, America's 100th birthday, which, as you can imagine, would have been a, 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 a hallmark event. Hmm. And By the way, the first centennial was celebrated for six months. So, <laughs> you know, when people still appreciated liberty, yes. they didn't take it for granted. <laughs> he said, before Adams or Hancock or Franklin or Jefferson had uttered their denunciations of British tyranny, before even the possibility of resistance to arbitrary power, had been thought of by them before they had even dreamed of independence and of a union of the colonies in a great nationality. These men, in the inspiration of a gospel, which is that of liberty, had been laying bare the falsity of royal assumptions, expounding the principles of good government and of manhood in the state, and schooling, that's educating, legislators, judges, and the people to an understanding of those civil rights which are the offspring of religious freedom, and as events thickened in advance of all others, they were ever narrowing the issue between the colonies and the home government, concentrating more and more the aroused indignation of an oppressed people into the idea of resistance, and pointing out to the sagacious statesmen of the day the principles and method of a vital union and cooperation among the provinces. Who are these men who hold the background in the picture whose very obscurity serves to make more prominent these others? That would be the Founding Fathers. Mm. They were congregational ministers. The principles of our civil liberty and of our national independence, which it's at the time he says 40 millions of people in these days are celebrating, that was the American population, did not find their first utterance in the Declaration of Independence. They did not spring to life in the debates of the Provincial Congress. They did not originate in the elaborate papers of Adams and Jefferson. They did not leap forth to their first light in the impassioned eloquence of James Otis or the vehement appeal of Patrick Henry. They had their birth in the election sermons and the fast and thanksgiving discourses of the congregational ministers of New, New England. So that that's the whole sermon is excellent, but those are two of the two of the most significant um, um, you know statements in that sermon. And um, it, it, you know historians have said the war was an accomplished fact before the before the revolution even started. Hmm. Um. 
There are some things we want to uh, clarify. You said um, you worked for DHS. I'm assuming that means Department of Homeland Security. And you, yeah. you had access and you were priv privileged to get certain info or intel that the average American will never see or couldn't see. Um, what concerned you at the time? I know we're making a leap here, but because you mentioned DHS, I just want to make sure people understand where you were at the time. You were involved in government. You were a pastor at different churches before taking on this role, correct? And then, mm -hmm. uh, and then you heard right. about some the influence of uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, and it was a big concern, especially the open door policy, so to speak, of the Obama Biden administration. Well, during the during that era when I was working for Homeland Security, you know, I could go online and see that that uh, they had a thing called the Homeland Security Advisory Council, um, and uh, the, there were five senior members of the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood on that committee. Wow! You know, trying to convince the people that were supposed to, you know, protect our national security that Islam was a religion of peace, and that you know that the people that flew planes into the World Trade Centers were just, you know, just an aberration. When in fact, they, they, they would, it would be said within Islamic circles that the men that flew those aircraft into the World Trade Centers went straight to heaven. Hmm. You know, so that's not a, that is not a benign ideology. No. If you think about it. So wow. I just knew it didn't, the prevailing narrative concerning that threat made absolutely no, it didn't make any sense. And I knew it was false. And so, as part of being at DHS, I started to branch out and try to learn all I could about Islam. And that's when I met people like Stephen Coughlin, John Guandolo, Frank Gaffney, and many others, uh, General Boykin, that were that were uh, actively exposing that. And uh, I, I just, I'm here to say today that I don't think we're any brighter as a nation in regard to that threat or, or the the Marxist threat that is joined with them. Exactly. And Bill, I want you to just clarify another thing. I, in this interview I heard, um, you mentioned that, because we have General Boykin on the podcast Thursday. <laughs> so you mentioned his speech in, I believe it was 2012, inspired you and opened your eyes. Share about that. Well, he, he was the, he, he gave the keynote message at our, at our kickoff event at Patrick Henry College wow. on September uh, 19th. Uh, 2012. Okay. And it was a power, he, you know, it was a very powerful message. And, you know, we had pastors there that we were challenging to join the Black Robe Regiment. And when he was done, the invitation was given for people, to, for pastors to join the Black Robe Regiment. And every pastor in the room, I mean, it was, it was kind of amazing. Nobody hesitated. They all came forward. Some, some of them ran. And uh, it was a powerful time. What? Just, just, that was the kickoff. That's how we started. Why do you think that is? I mean, th um, the reaction. Some pastors actually jumped up and, and ran forward wanting to be a part of it. Is it because they didn't know about this threat or they weren't up to speed on what was going on? I think it was a it was an eye-opening event. I think the, the, the commissioning service was, was an eye-opening event. I think they understood. I think everybody pretty much understood. By, by 2012, we had a good idea that, uh, that what the threat was. Uh, in, at least in the churches, and and they when they heard of what pastors had done, some of the history of pastors when they heard the compelling message that General Boykin gave, it was it was just it was compelling, and I think they realized this is what we have to do. We have to get engaged. We have to involve ourselves in what's happening, and uh, it's it 
it, it was just, I, it was powerful. Now let me quote you from the last time you were on with us here at Stand Up For The Truth, about a month or so before the November 2020 election. In that podcast, you said, the situation in America is so dire. If the church doesn't rise up prior to this election, we're going to have genocide. Every single place where communism or Islam have gained the upper hand, there has been genocide. Looking back now in hindsight, Bill Cook of the Black Robe Regiment, America's Black Robe Regiment, what are your thoughts on those words who that at the time seemed a little provocative, sensational, but we're looking at this election and what happened. We're looking at the current administration and the demonic drive toward Marxism, globalism, and the threats we're, mm-hmm. we're faced with now in America. That really wasn't an exaggeration. You weren't just saying that at the time for effect, were you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't engaging in hyper, hyperbole. I believe that sincerely, as much as I like not to believe it, but I do believe it. And I, I, if you understand the nature of Marxism, it's a satanic religion. Mm. And when, uh, and I, I don't think it's an overstatement to call it a religion, because you have to really suspend uh, logic to become a Marxist. You have to start. You have to believe an immense number of lies. And so, um, I mean, there. I could go into other details. Probably Steve Coughlin would be the person to have talk about that. But, but there is no mistaking what that. First, we know the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Yes. That's in the Bible. So that's the scripture. Is it any? Is it? Is it a stretch to think that his his minions would, you know, people that are uh, actuated by him, would kill, steal, and destroy? No. And so. It's. It, I think it, as a as a form of government, if you want to call it that, Marxism is the closest thing to Satanism. I think we have yes. in this in this in this time, and so you know, if you think about it, the children of disobedience have never they they know exactly how to tear things down. We've seen that in Living Technicolor in the riots that we've seen with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Mm-hmm. They're very good at destroying things killing, stealing, and destroying. But they don't know how to rebuild things. They, they say they're going to, you know, that somehow this this um, this government, you know, what something great is going to emerge from the ruins, but it never does. Mm. And so they don't know how to create. The only people who really know how to create and truly innovate are Christians who are inspired by God, to whom God gives wisdom, and, and they found things on truth. So America could not have been founded by unbelievers. It just couldn't have happened because the children of disobedience could could not have done this. Mm. Only the children of light can can instantiate a government of liberty. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know Karl Marx was notoriously anti-God, anti-Christian. And we mm-hmm. only we only have a minute left, Bill Cook, before we have to take our first break. But uh, sure. just looking at an article by uh, Robert. Uh, Knight, who also writes for the Washington Times, he writes for One News Now. He's got a great article, a new one called The War for the Soul of America. And he says, this all facilitates several Marxist goals, more dependency on government, institutional child rearing, and fewer incentives to get married. And then he goes on down the list, talks about the Democrats' great society. We think of Lyndon Johnson. And when we come back, I think we should talk about the Johnson Amendment a little bit, because this goes back to a catalyst where pastors and church leaders kind of backed out of culture and stopped 
talking about politics due to their misunderstanding of the Johnson Amendment. So we've got Reverend Bill Cook with America's Black Robe Regiment. We've got a whole lot more to come, friends, when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Reverend Bill Cook from America's Black Robe Regiment, and we want to direct you to the website, and uh, the homepage is blackroberegiment.us. And I also want to direct you to our resources, 200 resources you can trust at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You're going to need a lot of information as we go forward and with all the misinformation the left is putting out there and the Democrat media and how they, they fail to report the truth much of the time. Um, before we get, Bill, to your event, a recent event I want to ask you about this past weekend, I want to share an email we got from Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, Colleen writes, A friend introduced me to your podcast, David, in the end of December 2020. And I've been listening ever since. I have learned so much on Stand Up For The Truth, and it's been such a blessing. There are many conservative news sources out there, but I am drawn to Stand Up For The Truth because you keep God, His Word, and prayer in the center. That is the most important thing. I'm also grateful for the people and ministries I've learned about through you. Some of my favorites being Scott Lively, Steve Smotherman, Heidi St. John, Paul Blair, Bill Perkins, and many others. May the Lord give you strength to endure. Uh, God bless you. Um, uh, This is really interesting, uh, Bill Cook, because one, two, three of the ones she mentions were people we met together, or you probably knew them before I did, last year at the Liberty Pastors Conference in Texas. Scott Lively, Steve Smotherman, who is now—actually, we're going to have Steve Smotherman on tomorrow— um, Paul Blair, who's out in Oklahoma with Dan Fisher. Before we get to your event, Elijah's Remnant, um, and direct people to your website, uh, share your connection with Paul and Dan. And uh, Dan's got his own website, and he does his own uh, trying to raise awareness about the Black Robe Regiment. How did you get connected with those guys? Well, they're they're good friends, and you know they 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 predate me, my efforts, and I'm I'm inspired by them, and I love what they me are too. doing. Me too. Paul and Paul and Dan understand the threat that we're facing as a nation. They understand what's going on with this Marxist insurgency we're under right now. And actually, it's it's the the model that's being used in the current insurgency. It's a Maoist insurgency model. We learned that very clearly this this week at our event when um, when Steve Conklin spoke. And um, so the way I got connected with them, and I, this is a little bit longer story. But I'll just I'll no problem take about a minute. But I was I was at a point in in the, with the Black Robe Regiment that I was very discouraged. I had been doing this for eight years, didn't have a lot to show for it. But I was you know, and I was trying to persevere through through uh, really because I did not have a five hundred one c three, you know, and because of the prevailing understanding of uh, tax deductible gifts, I wasn't receiving a lot of donations. So mm-hmm. we, we were, my wife and I were usually out of funds in the mm. middle of every month <laughs> then you can imagine what that's like yes uh, and so i was very discouraged and i remember one day um my wife and i had talked about the condition of our finances and the need to and the, and the fact that we weren't generating enough income and she went to work and i was very discouraged and i'm sitting in my in my 
home office and I and I said to the Lord, Lord, I quit. Mm. I can't do this anymore. I just give up. Wow. And, and God uh, immediately spoke to me out of Hebrews chapter 11 and the phrases that he quickened to my mind at the time. Because I wasn't thinking about them. They just they came to mind. It was uh, where, where, where the writer of Hebrews said they subdued kingdoms. Mm. They wrought righteousness. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. Uh, out of weakness were made strong, put to flight the armies of the aliens. And in, in telling the Lord I was going to quit, I was I was thinking, you know, first of all, it's just an arrogant thing for you to even think that you could be part of saving a nation with 330 million people. <laughs> Since the, you know, and so I thought that's arrogant. And then and then uh, and I didn't really think that, that it would be me single handedly doing it. But I also thought, um, you know, we are overrun by the left in this country. I felt like there were, we were overrun by hordes. And so those two phrases were so meaningful to me in that moment. I have not doubted since, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how, how difficult mm-hmm. things get, that God can still save America. And what he's looking for is people who, are, who will believe him, who have faith, and will persevere. And so I began to see that. And that was when my fortune, so to speak, began, I, have, I haven't made fortune, but it, that's when my fortunes changed. And... Um, it was just, it was precious because not long after that, I, we were holding a pastor's summit in Lynchburg. And at that pastor's summit, I gave my presentation. There were a couple other men who were with me. And when I was done speaking at the end, this, a woman from Texas came up to me. I'd never met her in my life. And she began to tell me that when she had, when, she, when I began to speak, she said the Holy Spirit fell on her and gave her an open vision. And she described this amazing vision where she saw myself and these two other men sitting on white horses on the eastern seaboard. These And the horses were just chopping at the bit to run. And we were holding a giant roll of linen fabric extended across the entire eastern seaboard, hmm. north to south. And she said, then all of a sudden the horses took off and you unroll that fabric across the nation. And then she said, um, then she said, you are going to blanket this nation with that teaching. And I, I thought, you know, I'm, I thought, well, I don't know this lady. It's <laughs> kind of a grandiose vision. And, you know, anything, you know, people could say anything. So I just, I, I, I probably might have been a little offensive. I just said, well, if this is the Lord, he's going to have to do it because I don't see how I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, just, just being honest and. And right after that, after I left, uh, after the next summit, it was down at uh, the Foundation for American Christian Education in Virginia, in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. I got, I was coming out of the meeting, it was over. We finished the presentation, and I see a call on my phone from Paul Blair. And Paul said to me, uh, when I called him back, he said, "We see what you're doing, and we've heard what you're doing in Virginia." We are impressed by it. We want you to come down to uh, Florida for one of our our uh, Liberty Pastors events. Wow! So I went down. Da- I went down there and, and met Paul and Dan and and uh, Rick Scarborough mm-hmm. and and a lot of the men that were on their team. And I was blown away by what they were doing. I thought this is phenomenal. This is great stuff. And so you know, we've 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 been affiliated some since that day, uh, since that time. 
And then, you know, after that, I just started getting other calls. God began to provide. I, I met a couple in Houston when I was down there for a Liberty Congress, and I, uh, you know, they they asked me during uh, uh, we were we were meeting small groups in this Liberty Congress event. It was about fifty people, and they said, "Well, how do you get support?" Well, and I said, "I don't really," because. I told them I did not take the 501c3. I was I I didn't see how I could do that and be the Black Rope Regiment. So mm. I just wouldn't. I just never did it. I wouldn't do it. And uh, you know I paid a price for that. But I told them I didn't tell them at the time that I didn't have enough funding. I didn't have enough money in my pocket on on my bank account to take an Uber back to the airport to go home. And uh, they they came into the kitchen during a break when I was in there. They walked up to me and said, "We want to." Um, we want to support you and we want to give you $3,000 a month for a year. So, you know, that's what they said. And I, you know, obviously that was manna from heaven. And I said, now I can run. That's what I told him. Now I can run. Oh my goodness. Praise God. Praise God. It's amazing how he works. And going back to when you said you wanted to quit at, at, at one point, who hasn't felt that way? Those of us who are trying to fight the good fight and, and, and really speak the truth, and uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to really uh, awaken a lulled-to-sleep American church who has become the Church of Laodicea or something comparable in Revelation 3. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bill Cook, before we get, we mentioned we were going to tease and uh, talk about the Johnson Amendment. We, we must talk about that in a minute. But on your website, um, you have information on events. You've got uh, links to recent webinar recordings uh, that you send out in your email newsletter. Trevor Loudon, Michelle Bachman, uh, Pete Hegseth, Kevin Sorbo, which we've had on a couple weeks ago, Judy Cook, your wife, uh, Pastor Gary Hamrick, phenomenal election sermon. And uh, you mentioned Stephen or Stephen Coughlin or Coughlin. He spoke on critical race theory. Now, you just did an event with him He's a national security expert, and the, was the event called Elijah's Remnant? And this was just a couple days ago. How did it go? It was phenomenal. It, it was it was extremely inspiring. It was good from start to finish. It was excellent from start to finish, and uh, it exceeded my expectations. And I'll tell you, this there were a lot of pastors there that are joining what's called the Patriot Church, Church Network, and uh, there are people who are so committed to that that they're moving from Washington state to, to uh, Tennessee and their, their church is forming in Virginia uh, in, in, in other states. And so it's exciting. It's exciting what God is doing. We had Marshall Foster and, and, um, and Paul Jaley, Dr. Paul Jaley. And it, they, they hit the ball out of the park in terms of their talk of what, what is necessary to turn America around. It was so powerful. I can't, I can't even begin the recording is available. It's going to be available on my website, on our website, but it's also available on YouTube um, under Elijah's Promise. It's just incredible. Okay, so blackroberegiment.us. It will be available there. I see the flyer. Um, it looked like you spoke there, obviously. Um, Alan Keyes. Oh, my goodness. Love that man as well. So what made that so special? Was it for pastors, ministry leaders? Uh, what, what made that so impactful, Bill? Well, it, it, what made it impactful, I believe, was the fact that everybody there was totally committed to, to, to God and to turning the nation around. Mm. 
there's an understanding that it's going to be a, a, a fight. significant thing, that God's going to have to do it. Mm. And every speaker spoke as the oracles of God. It was just remarkable. I mean, I can't think, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to an event where you do an event where you feel like everybody's speaking 100 proof, you know, in terms of the, the, the content and the quality of their message. Yes. And I have to say it was, it was that way from start to finish. Okay, phenomenal. event. Phenomenal. So you're, I know you're working on your website, trying to get things, more content on there, and that's awesome. We're going to definitely link to that at standardforthetruth.com. Um, where were we going to go? Oh, that's right, the Johnson Amendment. And then we need to talk about January 6th. And a local friend um, was really concerned now. He was actually written about in the L.A. Times after the, the, what the, the, they called it a capital riot and everything. I want to mention that and that article and get your take on that bill. But over at blackroberegiment.us, you've got uh, three sections. What's in a name? You, they describe Black Robe Regiment, join or die. <laughs> and, and that's a fascinating section right there if we want to touch on that in a minute. But let's go to the Johnson Amendment. And I just want to read this and get your response to elaborate, Bill. The clergy didn't only preach the political ideology in the founding charters. They practiced what they preached by fighting and leading brigades. Some even paid the ultimate sacrifice in the war for independence. From the time the Pilgrims landed in Massachusetts 400 years ago until the Johnson Amendment was added to the U.S. tax code as a 501c3, political sermons were commonplace in America and a major factor in securing the blessings of liberty to current and future generations of Americans. Boy, there's a lot in there, Bill, but please elaborate and expound on the importance of pastors preaching the whole counsel of God and not being afraid of political or cultural or social issues. Well, let, let, let me, uh, to, to answer, to do, to do that, let me, let me uh, just tell about a couple of pastors and sure. during the American Revolution and what they did. This was not uncommon. These are, these are stories that are, you can find in Dan Fisher's book, Bringing Back the Black Robe Regiment. That's where I found them. And uh, Samuel, Pastor Samuel McClintock lived from 1732 to 1834 in Greenland, New Hampshire. He and his family were so committed to, to liberty that three of their four sons died during the war, during the revolution, uh, defending it. And there's a famous painting that was produced by Jonathan Trumbull at about the Battle of Bunker Hill, in that in that painting, uh, Samuel McClintock is seen uh, praying with outstretched hands to heaven for God to intervene on behalf of the colonies. Hmm. There's David Avery of Gageboro, Vermont, lived from 1746 to 1818. He'd become a chaplain and captain of the men from his church. He marched to Boston as the captain of his men of his church and was present for duty during the battle and was a significant encouragement to the troops as he was seen conspicuously praying for victory. Mm. Avery also spent the weary winter of 1777-1778 with General Washington and his soldiers. Mm. Here is uh, another one. Um, Jonathan French, when he heard of the Battle of Bunker Hill, who's pastor in Andover, Massachusetts, he marched to war carrying both his medical case and his, and his musket. He served as a drummer during the war and fought at Castle William in Boston Harbor. And uh, let's see here, da, 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 let me go. Here's another one. Um, Pastor Hezekiah Smith of First Baptist Church of Haverville, Massachusetts. He was a friend of Generals 
Washington and Gates, hmm. as well as many officers from New England. He served as a chaplain in the Continental Army and occasionally as aide-de-camp to numerous commanders. He boldly declared that the Battle of Saratoga was the grandest conquest ever gained since the creation of the world. Hmm. And then um, I can't think of the name of the pastor in... Um, in New Jersey, but four days after the Battle of Lexington, when he heard that, when this pastor heard that uh, what had happened in Lexington, it's, it, it coursed through the colonies very rapidly. And he called the, his church together and said, men, the brethren, are, um, he said, brethren, the, the British are murdering our brethren of New England. Who goes with me to Boston? Hmm. And with that, he marched off to war with all the men of his flock. This is what, this is, this is what pastors did. They they so prized liberty, they were willing to lay down their lives for it. It, it was a holy, it was seen as a holy calling. They did not take it uh, liberty for granted. And there are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of history, thousands actually, that describe the things of the of the Congregational Ministers of New England. What they did, it's it's just it's. it's I think American history, the founding of America, is one of the most epic stories in human history. In fact, I would say it is probably next to the formation of the nation of Israel under Moses. It is probably it is. I think it is the most epic story of the founding of a nation in human history. Miraculous. So, to let it, to let it to let America die mm. and not fight for it is a, is really an unforgivable sin. And so we have got to, we the church has got to rise up and contend for this. We are the only hope of this nation right now. And it's we're not going to get it done by by just praying. In, in um, you know, the book of Hebrews, the other thing that the Lord just kind of opened my eyes to recently is the, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the Hall of Faith, that's still being written. God needs more people like, like Joan, I mean, like, uh, like Gideon and other other great men of faith and, and the exploits they did. God God needs people today to be men and women of faith, just like we read about in the book of Hebrews. What's mm. to say that that you and I can't be Gideons or the, or, or Samsons or Samuels or Davids? Why can't we do that? Amen. Those were written for our ad as the scripture says, those things were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So we you know, in the Old Testament, it says, uh, in the last days, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. And to get this country back, we need to do exploits, and we need to believe God that we can do exploits. Amen. Um, you are writing a book, aren't you, Bill? What What is it called? What is it going to be called? Um, I... I <laughs> To be honest, I don't have a title yet. Okay. I thought it had something to do with fighting, but I'm going back to that Metaxas interview. We've got to take a break more with Reverend Bill Cook, America's Black Robe Regiment. When we come back, talk about how they're framing Christians since the January 6th event and a couple other quotes to inspire you in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Reverend Bill Cook, America's Black Robe Regiment. I want to quote Jenna Ellis because what we were talking about before the break made me think about this. She said recently, always do the right thing. Take a stand. Even if you think you're standing alone, others are watching wishing they had the courage to stand 
with you. And of all people, Bill Cook, pastors and church leaders should be the ones taking a stand, but we're not seeing enough of that. One of the reasons, and we didn't get into this uh, in the last segment, one of the reasons the Johnson Amendment, Lyndon Johnson, passed shrewdly when they were debating a massive tax code overhaul bill on the Senate floor in Texas in 1954. Well, the Johnson Amendment, um, there were people that were anti-communists and conservative groups that were speaking out against Johnson at the time. And so he he checked with the IRS. What they were doing was legal. So he was looking for a way to silence them, and he successfully did it by shoving this in. Bill, this has affected pastors and church leaders for more than, I don't know how many years now, since 1954, I'm not a mathematician, but it's more than 50 years, 75 years, something like that. This is sad, Mm -hmm. though, that it has affected pastors wanting to protect the 501c3, thinking that if I talk about abortion, a.k.a. in their mind, a political issue, I might Mm -hmm. get in trouble with the IRS, or marriage between one man and one woman, or capitalism as opposed to socialism, but these are moral issues. These are issues that are we could call them biblical because there's enough information in the Bible about all of these issues. I would love for you to just touch on this for a minute before we move on. Well, you know, as you mentioned the Johnson Amendment. The Johnson Amendment was the most destructive piece of legislation ever passed in American history, bar none. Since the since the Johnson Amendment, we found a, we somehow found a right to have an abortion. We found a right to you know for two men to be married, a right for men to go into uh, w- uh, women's bathrooms, uh, and, and any number of vile rights. But you know the thing is, God's word says what happens to nations that are given to sodomy. Hmm. We saw that happen with sodomy and war. That's what. When, when somebody says, well, live and let live, I'm a libertarian and I can do what I want to do, you do what you want to do and we'll all be fine, you know, it, no, we won't be fine because God's going to decide the ultimate fate of our nation. And if our nation turns to those kinds of things, to evil, to the shedding of innocent blood and to the and to sodomy, rampant sodomy and transgenderism, then we will see, we will, we will be what, got, what, what Sodom and Gomorrah came, became, a smoking hole. And so you can't, it's not just, you know, if everybody's okay with it, then we're okay. We're not okay because God's not okay with it. Exactly. And he is going to, at some point, we are going to reap the consequences of that evil. So we have to, we have to address these things from the pulpit because we do not. If we submit to the Johnson Amendment and all that comes with it, we're essentially shepherding our flock into annihilation. That's what's happening. Mm. So... Boy, the direction we're going as a country because of what we have allowed, it, it, it shouldn't shock us, but it's disappointing. And a lot of Christians, Bill, we're preaching to the choir here for the, the majority, overwhelming majority of the Stand Up For The Truth podcast audience. We are preaching to the choir. A lot mm-hmm. of them are feeling like, I want to fight, but it's just there's so many fronts and uh, there's so many battles to be fought. So uh, before we get into this article and what happened in January 6th and how they're trying to frame Christians and conservatives. Now, what encouragement could you give to those who are trying to speak up and trying to stand to do the right thing? And even some of them are trying to get their pastors to take a stand because I get these emails all the time. Well, it's, you know, you remember that there was a quote once by Vince Lombardi and somebody asked him about football and, you know, he, they talked about, uh, 
you know, football being a contact sport. And Lombardi replied, football is not a contact sport. It's a contact sport is a hitting sport. And, um, you know, and so in many ways, what we're saying is you're not going to finesse your way through this battle hmm. in, in America. So it's going to be costly for some people. Yes. And, um, but God will, you know, Jesus said that, you know, there's no man who's left houses of family or whatever, you know, whatever wealth he's left to fight, you know, to, 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 to proclaim the kingdom of God who will not receive more in the world to come. And so, I just want to say there are heroes to be made. There are still heroes to be made. I, you know, I wish I could promise that you can be a hero without suffering consequences, but we need heroes today. We need courageous people. It's going to take courage. And I, what, I tell, what I'm telling um, people I speak to today at events around, in, around the country is that, um, you know, whatever we're holding on to, so to speak, whatever we're saving for a rainy day— mm. We better give it right now, yes. because we're not going to. We lose this country; we're losing everything. Yes, it, it 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 will not be a polite transition to Marxism. It's going to be bloody and costly, and we we have. If there's anything we're holding on to, we're holding it in reserve. It, it's not worth holding on to, because we're going to lose everything we lose if we lose this country. And that's what I would say to anyone. Amen. And that's right not now. You're, that's not an exaggeration. I just remember Trevor Loudon. He was on with us about three, four months ago. Actually, about the two or two months ago. And uh, remember, he talked about with the globalism and how he calls it Marxism, <laughs> Marxism, uh, yeah, the, right. the, the, in, the threat of Marxism in America. And he's talking about the part of that threat. It ties in with the globalist plan to destroy our economy. And he said, if America goes down economically, American America goes down militarily. And him being from New Zealand said, and if America goes down militarily, we all go down, meaning. Canada, New Zealand, all these other countries that won't be able to stand up to a Russia or a China. But that's for another conversation. Look up that podcast with Trevor Loudon, who was another speaker at uh, last year at uh, the uh, Liberty Pastors Conference. So this article, and I'm not going to link to it because I don't want people to read the whole thing because it's just a hit piece. Uh, it's called Capital Riot Included Military Veterans and Law Enforcement. This was by this guy named uh, Jaweed Kalim at the L.A. Times. And just going to get your response on this because it mentions someone that we know right here in Green Bay, a friend of this ministry and a veteran. Um, the deadly riot in the U.S. Capitol on January 6th attracted a variety of far-right-wing extremists who shared a devotion to President Trump and his insistence on a false belief that the November election had been stolen from him through fraud. Notice how they call it a false belief as it's just, if it's a fact. Right. Many right. rioters also had something else in common as they sought to upend the government in an insurrection that bristled with Confederate flags, racist symbols, and conspiracy theories. They were ex-members of the military and police or actively employed by the armed services, law enforcement. And then I'm skipping ahead to something they said about there were also planned armed rallies in state capitals over the weekend, which I never saw any of those or heard about any of those materializing armed rallies at state capitals. I remember they were talking about that, the threat about that in the Democrat media. Um, and then they said those in the Washington mob included 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran from San Diego whom police shot dead as she was among the rioters forcing their way through the Capitol. Now, they 
hesitated or they didn't announce or point out the fact she was unarmed. She's a woman, Air Force veteran, and she was shot dead. And she was one of the only deaths from what I understand. But yet it was a right wing conservative or Christian mob insurrection, which they're labeling people as domestic terrorists, which they they have the justification now for the wall and the barbed wire around the the Capitol uh, bill. Now, one more thing. This is where it gets to our friend here in Green Bay. Jim Murphy, a 73-year-old county commissioner and armory veteran in Green Bay, Wisconsin, is among those who has become who or who has begun to migrate his accounts. He runs a chapter of the Black Robe Regiment, an armed Christian offshoot of the Tea Party that's named after clergy who joined the American Revolution. Now, this is disinformation. It's a hit piece on the whole, the Black Robe Regiment as a whole. And this is in the Los Angeles Times. And they say it's spreading false information about the presidential election. This was part of the media's agenda to paint those who would oppose what happened on November 3rd, the, the election, um, as extremists. And I'll one more, and I'll let you comment, Bill Cook. We the people have responsibility to be the masters of our courts and Congress and not their servants as we've been lately. So, Bill, I'm, I know we're running out of time, but uh, Jim Murphy sent this to me, and he's concerned they're not only framing Christians, conservatives, but they're trying to give the Black Robe Regiment uh, a black eye, so to speak, as well. Your your thoughts in about three and a half minutes here we have. Well, sure. Anything anything that is contending for liberty is going to be attacked yep. because they're they're contending for totalitarianism, and the media is a is um, really sort of a shill for the for the Marxist movement. And yeah. um, the, you know, it's kind of like, how do you know the media is lying? Well, their lips are moving. <laughs> Today, <laughs> they're they have become a uh, a fount of lies. It's Amen. deceit is the lingua franca of tyranny, and uh, you know e- they have to lie. Every tyrant in history has resorted to lies. To accomplish to accomplish what they want to do, mm. and so the the, the whole uh, January sixth uh, breaking at the Capitol was an operation. It was an op that had been pre-planned, mm. carefully planned, and a lot of things that are happening have been carefully planned by the left. There, nothing happens by chance with them. That's right. So um, it was it was there may have been a few stragglers that just kind of stumbled in there, but I you know I think at the covers were pulled off the shooting of that woman uh, i that might just be a, a planned murder of somebody in the went into the capital because she was unarmed she wasn't doing anything that would be untoward and and uh you know violent at all hmm. and so it just it's just, just i was i saw the shooting on video and it just looked to me like she's standing there you know just and getting shot. Well, she was trying to get through a, a, a small a window or a door or something. She was crawling through there. But but why shoot her? She was clearly unarmed and wasn't wasn't a violent action, although people can argue that point. Uh, Bill, the fact is that we are concerned about how they're l- trying to lump. You've heard the, the talk from the liberal media, the talk shows, the late night hosts calling us um, domestic terrorists, asking even Katie Couric said there should be a a re-education or a deprogramming of Trump supporters. She called it the cult of Trump. So they're lumping everybody that would disagree with the liberal Democrat agenda, the radical extremist agenda of the Obiden-Harris administration. 
they're saying these people are all in one group and they're enemies. So this is dangerous rhetoric. One more minute and just yes, your, your thoughts on that. I think that what I would say to that, that can be a frightening thing to think about and to hear. But I'll tell you what, we still have to be courageous. Mm-hmm. We have to be courageous. We have to continue to fight. Amen. And we have to continue to say no to the left because, you know, we, we just have to. We Amen. can't we can't submit to their lies. And we need to speak the truth and shout it out as loud as we can for the world to hear it. Because, you know, we're not the only ones being affected by it. The whole nation's being affected by these lies. Amen. And, that's that's uh, right. That's what's happening. And that's led to communist policy, which one of those things is the censorship of conservatives, Christians, and people on social media, big tech tyranny. And that's going to have to be for another conversation. Bill Cook, BlackRobeRegiment.us. Brother, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so much for your time today. Yes. Can I give our email? Absolutely. Go ahead. If anyone wants to reach me, send an email to Rev, R-E-V, at BlackRobeRegiment.us. And we'll put that in the podcast post at standfortheTruth.com. Blessings, brother. Thank you so much. You're a great American, Bill. God, what a delight. God bless you. (laughs) Bless you. Bye-bye. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, Pastor Steve Smotherman, another patriot pastor and troublemaker for the kingdom of God, fighting the good fight. Uh, He would probably be in that category of Black Robe Regimen. Legacy Church, I don't know how he does it. He's got a mega church in New Mexico, one of the bluest states in the country. But he speaks the truth. He'll be with us tomorrow. General William Boykin, we mentioned him earlier. Family Research Council, he will be our guest Thursday. Friday, Todd Friel of Wretched Radio. Monday, J.B. Hickson, and um, I just can't wait to get to talk to each one of these men one day at a time. God bless you, friends. Thanks again, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.